1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
0: Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, and demons, and now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Doki Prepare yourself. You
0: will not beat us for the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. Dokey.
1: You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final
0: season
2: streaming May 23rd only on Paramount Plus.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts and 247 Sports. We've been off for a couple weeks. I just had some stuff going on, so we haven't done a podcast in uh, two or three weeks, really. But we wanted to bring it back. Uh, and we have uh, a big one today. We're about to kick off Ohio State summer recruiting camp season. So we're going to talk to Bucknuts zone Mark Porter and Bill Kerlick about their expectations for the coming weeks and what you can kind of expect from that. We'll talk to them here in just a second. Then we'll also dive into some of the talk from the assistant coaches when we got a chance to meet with them. It was really the first time we've talked to the Buckeye assistant coaches since spring practice ended, so a lot of stuff came out from that. I know that uh, Dave Biddle has talked about quite a bit of that on the BM5, but some things I wanted to dive into as well. But let's start off with some recruiting talk which we haven't done a ton of on this podcast, but I felt this was a good time to do it. So let's bring in Bill Curlick and uh, Mark Porter here joining us. Hey, guys, thanks for joining the happy hour.
1: No problem. You're welcome. Always good to do, uh, talk Ohio State and a little recruiting.
0: I appreciate it. I know you guys did some of this on Monday with Dan on the BM5, so there may be a little rehash, but I figured it, you know, get more information out there for people on, on the podcast uh, Bill, let's start with you here. As we look at this camp season as a whole, first of all, I guess, just give people kind of a, a picture for those who don't follow this as closely. What is this next few weeks like for you, for Ohio state, for Mark, for the kids? What, what kind of happens here over these next three weeks or so? Uh,
1: crazy busy, um, for myself, for the coaches and crazy busy. Crazy, crazy busy for Mark Porter, because he goes to even more places than I do. Uh, And and for that matter, he goes more places than the coaches do, I think. Um, But uh, yeah, it's going to be... June is uh, a wild month. I was at one of the events, um, a seven-on-seven. I was talking to a writer from uh, another site, and he mentioned... um, this is kind of his first June and he's been told how crazy it's going to be. And I said, Yeah, you're probably been told, right. So uh, yeah, there's going to be five one day camps at Ohio state. Um, they start tomorrow, June 8th. And then next week is going to be really wild. Uh, Monday, June 12th, Wednesday, June 14th. And then Thursday, June 15th are camps, one day camps. Then the final one-day camp is Tuesday, June 20. And then the final, really, football camp that I'll be attending, at least for Ohio, at Ohio State, will be June 21st on a Wednesday. It is a seven-on-seven team competition camp. So uh, you've got all those camps. And then you've also got the official visit weekends. Uh, last weekend was Ohio State's first official visit weekend. They had seven recruits on campus. Five of them uncommitted recruits. Two of them already committed to Ohio State. This coming weekend will be even more uh, prospects making official visits to Ohio State. And then June 16th to the 18th and June 23rd to the 25th. So lots and lots going on. And really what happens over the next month is going to shape a lot of what happens on the football field for Ohio State for the next couple of years. Mark. I know
0: that you don't know for sure who is coming to these camps. Uh, we have a good idea, but it changes a lot. Is there a, a player in particular that you were looking forward to seeing visiting Ohio State for, for one of these one-day camps or multiple of these one-day camps coming up?
2: Yeah, there's a few kids that I, I want to see if they're as good as I think they are. That would be Justin Hill from Wentwoods. Woods. Um, he's been a kid that I've been touting. I'd like to see him do it. Uh, Luca Gilbert I'd like for everyone else to have a chance to see. Uh, and see if he made as much progression as uh, I think he did. Uh, I saw on the front page of Bucknuts we are uh, promoting Chris Henry being there, and I do have a man crush on him. He is at uh, a fun position to watch. You know, like for for most fans, the receiver quarterback stuff's the most fun to watch at camps. And with his size and speed and the way he goes to get the ball, uh, it, it's really fun because you know he's going to win. Uh, some of the defensive backs, I don't know what camps. I, I think a lot of these kids will be at Ohio State camps. I'm just not sure which date they'll be there. Um, I want to see John Nitna's son, the quarterback from Lakota East. I haven't got a chance to see him throw yet. Um, and So I don't know how good he is or if I should have his name up there with some of the other elite quarterbacks. But I've, I've got some pretty positive reports on him. Um, my list could go forever because I start get interested in even Mac Hopefuls and kids like that that are, you know, let's say blowing up or stock up. And one thing I always say about this time of the year is when I put out my report after the season uh, of a thousand players or whatever it may be, and they're all ranked and it's all neatly done. And I'm pretty sure I know what I'm doing this month blows up those rankings because kids have been in the weight room since December. That's six months when you're 16, 17 years old. Uh, There's going to be a difference. There's going to be kids that are 20 pounds heavier, two inches taller, a step faster And I have to adjust rankings every time after June. So the stock report going up and down, most kids will go stock up this month.
0: And for those who haven't ever followed or or been to any of these camps, maybe if you, you went as yourself or as a, have a, have a child that went, it's, it's a lot of drill work. Um, there is competition stuff that happens, especially with the wide receivers and, and cornerbacks. Usually that's towards the end of practice. Um, it's but it is a lot of working with position coaches, working with current Buckeye players, actually, which I think is it's kind of a perk of going to these camps. Um, as Bill mentioned at the end of all this, there will be a seven on seven camp Ohio State hosts where you actually get you know seven on seven games. But a lot of this is is a lot of you know stuff that isn't necessarily football as we think about it on Saturdays in the fall. Uh, just want to clarify that for people that aren't aware of how this all works. Bill, similar question that I just asked Mark for you, but maybe because I know you cover Ohio State recruits nationally. Who are some p- potential out-of-state guys that are going to likely be at these camps that you're interested to take a look at?
1: Well, before I answer that, I, I, I want to mention that um, Bucknuts is going to have these camps very well covered. Um oh, yeah. uh, at all of them uh, will be Mark uh, will be at all of them. I'll be at all of them. Steve Hellwagon does kind of double duty. He shifts from the basketball camps to uh, the football camps, back and forth. And then uh, Pat, who uh, is really a a team guy, is at all these camps. And sometimes he's the last one to leave, I think. Uh, So he does a great job, a huge job of helping us out. So we are going to have four guys at pretty much all these camps covering these things wall to wall. So you're going to get all the coverage right here. Now, as far as, you know, some out-of-state guys, um, there's going to be two interesting running backs, I think, that are going to be at Ohio State this month. Um, One of them is from Virginia, uh, Gideon Davison, and he uh, is very interested in Ohio State, has a Ohio State scholarship offer. And then the other 2025 running back that uh, I think will be very interested uh, interesting to see is Jordan Davidson uh, from California. He too has an Ohio state offer. In fact, I think he's got offers from just about everybody in the country uh, for that matter. But, you know, I think those two will be very interesting to see. Now uh, a couple quarterbacks are supposed to make it to Ohio state uh, that I think, uh, you know, very well are, are going to be uh, Ohio state, very much in contention to land Um and I th- and I think that that'll be interesting to watch to see which quarterbacks really live up to the hype. And and as I get to that, you know, I should say that we're going to get a another battle, so to speak, uh, between Tavia and St. Clair, going back to Ohio, Tavia and St. Clair from Bell Fountain, and then Ryan Montgomery from uh, up at Findlay, 2025 quarterbacks the Buckeyes have offered. They will be competing in the team seven on seven camp. Uh, And for that matter, uh, Tavian St. Clair is going to make an extra stop. He's going to be at a high state's camp June 15th. So um, uh, I, I think it'll be, you know, quite interesting to watch the quarterbacks and, and, and see how that all plays out, you know, this, this month.
0: Bill, since you mentioned those two in particular, I think those are names, the quarterbacks are, are names people are aware of and Mark, you can, you can chip in here too with, with what you think. Just kind of give your thoughts on on these two, maybe where one – strengths, weaknesses, so to speak, of of these quarterbacks and and kind of where you see them at at this point. Still, I think, heading into their junior years here, so still some time, but what do you make of both Montgomery and St. Clair right now?
2: I'm going first? Sure. Okay, so uh, weaknesses. I I think uh, Bell Fountain's a little off the radar, and I think he's a three-sport athlete, and I think – Maybe he didn't blow up as quick. I think Luke Montgomery had that advantage with his older brother getting on the map a little sooner. So I think, you know, he's been quieter nationally. Uh, And that's not really his weakness. That's just any weakness from any small school. Uh, But his positives are definitely his athletic ability, his ability to run the ball. Uh, Saw him live and in a couple camps last year during uh, the game I saw him against Kenton Ridge. He made it look simple. I mean, it was just like men against boys. Before it was halftime, they he passed it all over the field, ran, scrambled around the field, made people look bad in space. Uh, so that would be his real, I guess, best asset. You know, other than being a pure quarterback, that's the one thing like above and beyond a pure quarterback. Uh, Ryan Montgomery. A lot of his um, I'd say negatives have gone away. When he, we first started evaluating, we were so critical of him as a freshman or a sophomore and it was before he's actually developed. And the video we ran yesterday of him throwing the ball, you see he is big, strong, linebacker-looking. Uh, I know Dan uh, Rubin may have said it or Bill, like maybe a little bit of Dylan Riola in him as he gets bigger and stronger. He's got that powerful arm. Uh, so they're both upper echelon, uh, how do you say it, elite quarterbacks. Ryan Montgomery we've watched with a microscope grow into that role. Where Tavion St. Clair, for a lot of the Bucknutters or people who are following this, probably was more of a burst on the scene type of guy where they, they probably haven't been following for him for nearly as long. Although we have, a, we have alerted him, Bill and I, back during the season that, you know, start putting him on this equal footing and, and it's kind of come to fruition here recently.
1: Bill, uh, Pat, before Ooh. you go on, I, I just realized, I think when I was talking about the 2026 quarterback, I forgot to n- mention the name of. Uh, 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 of the one I, in particular I was talking about, that being Julian Juju Lewis. He's from Georgia. I think he's going to be able to make it to Ohio State this month, and Ohio State offered him very early. Uh, he's a great prospect, and uh, I have seen him once before in person, but that's been a little while. I'm anxious to see him, providing he does make it to Ohio State.
0: Bill, how big, when, especially when we're talking about this quarterback kind of battle, like you said, how big are these camps for these guys, especially that seven on seven camp for the coaches to see them up close here, both guys on fields at the same time, as opposed to going to different high schools? How, how big of a difference can it make if, if one guy shows out, one guy doesn't, or, or if they both show out, for instance?
1: Well, the key thing for uh, Ohio State is that uh, Ryan Day and uh, Corey uh, Dennis, they want to see the quarterback throw in person before they offer. Now, in the case of those two, Montgomery and Saint Clair, they've obviously already seen both of them uh, actually more than once throw in person, uh, and they've offered both. But there's only been one quarterback that uh, Ohio State offered without having seen him throw in person, and then uh, he end up committing, but then decommitting. You know, it, it, it was kind of a mutual type thing. So just kind of, kind of goes back to the point of they really want to see these kids throw in person before they offer. Um, now, as far as them going against each other, yeah, they can, they can uh, get just another chance to evaluate and compare and see what they're, you know, uh, I think Marcus said this before, you know, uh, trusting your eyes the first time and then getting it validated the second time type thing.
0: Yeah. I remember, I think it was last year when, when they had those quarterbacks on the indoor field, I think Ryan Montgomery was one of them, Dylan Raiola, Ryan Day's son, RJ Day, all throwing. And uh, you did get to see a lot, just kind of one after another, after another, after another, kind of comparing them. Um, I want to move away from the quarterbacks. I don't want to just focus on them. Obviously, Ohio State's defense has become an issue, um, a talking point the last couple of years. Bill, I'll start with you, maybe some more national guys, and then Mark can touch on some of the Ohio guys that, that might be at these camps. Who are some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball that people should be aware of and, and kind of look for reports on over, these, over this next month or so?
1: Well, um, one of them certainly is Dorian Brew. Uh, he's an Ohio guy, but he's a national guy. He's the number one 2025 kid in Ohio. Uh, Ohio State, he's a tremendous athlete. He's from uh, – Clay Northmont, and he has been offered or is being recruited by Ohio State as a cornerback. He is going to be at Ohio State tomorrow on June 8th. Uh, so that's a big one to, to watch in person. And I also might mention that uh, um, another player that Ohio State's offered is is there today, actually. So we're not going to see him in camp. That being Blake Bo- would be from Maryland. Um, uh, Josiah uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Josiah Javion Hilson from Florida is a defensive end. That'll be at camp on uh, tomorrow on June 8th. He's out of Florida again that uh high state's offered, but they're going to want to see him in person and perform and that'll give them a better look at him. Uh, and there'll be a lot of others, but um, yeah, you know, I think that um, seeing these guys compete. It, well, first of all, seeing them in person gives you the look test and, and then seeing them compete you know, against some of the best players in the country really helps your evaluation process if you're Ohio State. And, well, Mark, similar to you, some guys,
0: maybe Ohio guys, other guys you've seen that could be an interesting, uh, you know, list of people for for Buckeye fans to keep an eye on in terms of the defensive side.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the list here on the cheat sheet, and Paul Nelson, a linebacker down at Princeton, is a guy that's interesting and I was, as I was thinking about that question, I'm like, class of 2024 or 2025? Because if you're thinking immediate help, um, I mean, this is distant help. I, and I don't think a lot of these defensive players come in immediately. But I already alluded to Justin Hill being a guy that I was really interested in. Uh, Marquise Davis, you know, a defensive back out of Cleveland Heights, uh, he can fly. He's one of those guys that I like to see what he times out at some of these camps and how he looks uh he may even want to camp as a running back or receiver because he does an outstanding job there. Uh, Trey McNuts, another one out of Shaker Heights, that you know we're kind of following. I don't think a lot of people have seen. I've seen him play a few times, and he's a safety type. Uh, so defensively, there are guys, but you know it's going to take a little while. I'm, I'm if if you've been following me, I was one that said you know pump the brakes on C.J. Hicks and Sonny Styles freshman year and give them a year to. You know, get their wings underneath them. And I would say, similarly, for a 2024, 25 kid, uh, it's it's rare that they come in. And, you know, as you're saying, the defense has been a talking point that one of these players isn't the fixed for that whole, you know, ship to come together. So, yeah. but there's definitely guys I'm interested to see. And, and some of these guys, for me, were, were two way players. Where are they going to be defensive players? You know, or are they going to go over to offense?
1: Even, you know, uh, adding to that, you know, Mark mentioned 2024. Those kids are coming in to campus uh, the next few weekends on official visits. And even those kids, like Mark said, they're not going to get immediate help for the most part from any of those kids. I mean, uh, even though, you know, high State's defense has not been as good as they want it to be, asking 2024 kids even to come in, and make a huge difference in that defense. That's that's a big ask. You might have one or two every year that can help, but impact it's pretty tough to do that at a school, school like Ohio State. With you know before your second year,
2: I think your help is the Jihad Carter and Deavison and Igmanosium. Did I say no. that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think those are your immediate guys and the, the guys you went for right now but this, those slouchers in these classes, but, and, and really, I'd rather see them developed. I, I would, I wouldn't, if you're, my thing is if you're a program that's relying on freshmen constantly, yikes. But in this day and age of kids being three and done, sometimes you are digging deeper into the well sooner than you need to.
0: Yeah. Mark, I think you make a really good point using Sonny styles and CJ Hicks's an example. We just talked to Jim Knowles a week or so ago and, he brought up that those guys needed time to develop. He understands that everybody wants to see the five-star kids right away, but even the best in the country aren't necessarily fully college ready. And a guy like C.J. Hicks was still learning that weak side linebacker position uh, as he got to Ohio State. So good point. I think um, something to keep in mind as we we talk recruiting here and as you kind of read this stuff throughout the next month or so. Bill, I want to ask you, how big of a jump can a guy make by coming to not just Ohio State's camps, but going to these camps, being seen by coaches, being seen by people like you guys who do these evaluations and, and help to generate rankings and things like that? How much can a kid help himself at these camps if he's fortunate enough to, to be able to go to one?
1: Or Jermaine, Jermaine Matthews, a great example of a kid that uh, you know, walks into the Ohio State camp last year, Earns a scholarship offer because he just played that played so well he performed so well and um, by uh, partway through July early in July actually he was a Buckeye he earned an Ohio State scholarship offer an offer he really wanted and um, then uh, got that offer and, and accepted it so you know that's a big jump from a kid that's not even got an offer to. Less than a month later, being in Ohio State, commitment just based on what he did at camp that day. So, you know, you can make that jump. And that's why, to be honest, that's why a lot of these kids are going to these camps. They want to impress Ohio State and get that scholarship offer. Or, as Mark will tell you, because he's looking at uh, more than Ohio State, I'm looking at High State kids. But a lot of these kids are going to Ohio State that they can get an offer from another school, too. Yeah, it's
2: in Ohio State. And I've talked to the coaches, they pride themselves on putting on a great camp for the Mac, not just themselves, but they put a great camp on with competition. And, you know, like I think last year, every Mac school was working one of the camps and, you know, COVID put a little damper on camps. And I remember the feeling being last year that Ohio state's camps are back. You know, we're not watered down. We didn't have to limit numbers. We didn't have to you know space out um, the feel of the days when they had the, uh, the bigger camps, but just to digress a little bit, it used to be two camps with, Boy, 500, 600, 800 kids, you know, twice. And now they have I think five camps, and I think the numbers are a little bit more down. And that gives more reps to players. And that for the max schools helps out. So I know I just went a big circle to you know make that point, but now the numbers are down. I think the max schools embrace these camps and you know, a lot of the D two, D threes, the the high academic schools, the Ivies. Um, anyone who's a friend of Ohio State who really isn't direct competition for their players. I've seen Pitt at the Ohio State camps before. Um, I've seen a lot of it at Cincinnati. I've seen many schools. Yeah. I mean, that you see there that are friends or past coaches that are welcome back. So, you know, the Ohio State camp is more than just for them. And it is, it's like one of the, it's like the tip of the iceberg. I don't want to say like that, the tip of the spear, as far as how Swiss watch runs and the periods are changing and that many guys moving around that fast, you know, well-run camps.
0: Yeah, I, I remember the first one I went to, I was surprised with the number of coaches from, you know, wearing the shirts from other schools that were there. And I think, Bill, you pointed out to me, I, I said, well, some of these kids, you know, that what are they kind of doing out here? And you made the point to me that they're not here for Ohio State offers. You know, you can clearly tell the the difference in a lot of kids that are Big Ten, Ohio State potential players, and then some of the kids that, that aren't ready for that level yet. But Could end up somewhere else playing college football, and that still matters to these kids. So I think that is also very valid. Uh, Last question I want to ask you guys, and I want to take a couple quick ones from our comments before you guys get out of here. How important are these to just kind of getting to know these coaches, be it the Ohio State coaches, some of the high school coaches? I know you guys are out at stuff frequently, so the high school coaches you may get a better relationship with than that, but talking to these guys. How much does that kind of play a part in what you do over this next three weeks or so? And, and Bill, you can, you can kick us off that one.
1: Well, um, first thing I thought of when you said that uh, was how important is it, you know, uh, as far as the coaches and um, some of these kids aren't camping to get an Ohio state offer. They, Chris Henry, he does not need to camp. He got offered last year as a freshman uh, by Ohio state at the camp, but he's going to be back tomorrow and it just gives him a chance to work with brian hartline build a relationship they get to know each other it just helps the entire recruiting process uh, for ohio state with chris henry and chris henry with ohio state and that's the way it is for a number of these kids and actually that kind of leads into that's the way at least it is for me you know the more i get to see these kids in person the more that i get to talk to them in person the better relationship i have with them It all helps, you know, as far as what I do. So it's it is important.
2: I think uh, Will Smith last year was, you know, the the case in point. Sometimes kids don't work out once they have the Ohio State offer. They stand there, or they 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 kind of big time it and just kind of shake hands. And Will Smith went to every camp, worked out like it was a war. You know, earned the respect of everybody. And, And he's a kid that a year earlier. He wasn't as big and as, as strong as he was. He wasn't as tall, and his stock goes up. So when you talk about you know kids blowing up, he to me last year he was one of the guys that blew up the most of my eyes. There were questions: was he an end? Was he a tackle? Yeah, he's a grown man now. Uh, for me, that's always important. I'm always talking to coaches, and I'm always getting a beat on younger players. Uh, you know, the, the Bucknuts were working at five star on one end. I'm trying to find kids with no offers that may be a future five-star that's the eighth grader or the freshman or the sophomore and of course the more you talk to guys the more you get comfortable with them and like bill says it just helps each year and it's a, it's almost a reunion-like feeling for me anymore because i see the same guys the same camps every year and it, it's a chance to catch up so a lot of that goes on but for us for the players you know that me staying ahead of the curve it's it's a very beneficial thing and ohio state I don't know if they get the proper credit. I mean, they build the Mid American Conference. You know, the MAC has their own camps, but Ohio State brings a, a, a national audience to that camp. There'll be a lot of out of state kids that wouldn't necessarily come to Kent State or Akron for a camp, but the, those coaches will get to evaluate them there. And, you know, a lot of these kids that don't end up for Ohio State, they're going to end up in the MAC. In fact, Ohio State would rather see them in the MAC than go against them in the Big Ten. And,
1: and you know, we talked we make a big deal we talk a lot about oh well uh this kid got offered by ohio state at camp or that kid got offered by high state camp there's going to be a lot of kids get offered by max schools at these camps that we don't make a big deal out of but it's a big deal for the max schools and for those kids
0: all right i want to hit on a couple questions here and then i'll get you guys out of here and we can we can kind of run through these quickly uh roger ward asks and bill you might be able to answer this better D lineman that Ohio State has a legit shot at. Who are a couple names people should know on the defensive line?
1: Well Nigel Smith from Texas made his official visit to Ohio State last weekend went really well. That was his fifth, he's from Texas again. That was his fifth time at Ohio State. The first four were on his own dime. So you would have a hard time convincing me he's not seriously interested in the Buckeyes. Uh, he's a kid they have a legitimate shot, shot at. Elias Rudolph, of course, he's in Florida. Has been in Florida, I should say, uh, coming back to play his senior season in almost uh, all certainty uh, for Cincinnati Taft. Certainly uh, another guy that that they could get. Justin Scott will be tougher out of Illinois, but I think they, they have a shot. There's a couple kids making official visits this weekend. Uh, Deontre Robinson from Florida that uh, they have a shot at. So, uh, you know, the list is there for certainly.
0: And then uh, Mecca Hanna. What's up with Reggie Powers? I know that he's a guy that that Ohio State was in on, has been in on. Um, Bill, you and I have talked privately about him. What what can you share about Reggie
1: Powers? Well, he's been making official visits to other schools. His last official visit is to Ohio State. And uh, uh, as long as the fit is right for Ohio State and the fit is right for him, I think he'll be a Buckeye. But I think that there's evaluation still going on on both sides. Ohio State evaluating. Uh, and, and he evaluating the schools he's visiting. And then David Greenshield asks, any news on
0: Scott or West? I assume that is the uh, the Glenville kids, right? Uh, Springfield,
1: Springfield and Glenville.
0: Springfield and Glenville, yeah. Any uh, any update there on either of those guys?
1: I'll have Mark talk about it in a second, but I want to go back real quick. I had to give my – as Mark puts it the cheat sheet, I knew there was at least one or two guys that I forgot. Uh, Marcus Lightfoot. Out of Illinois is a guy I think Ohio State has a very realistic shot at landing. Uh, Likes Ohio State a lot. Uh, Darian Mayo is coming in this weekend for an official visit. He's scheduled to. He's another defensive line. He's an edge guy that that Ohio State, uh, I think, has a shot at. And don't ever want to forget Booker Pickett. He's an Ohio State legacy. Uh, Ryan Pickett, of course, uh, uh, was a great defensive lineman for the Buckeyes and Jim Haycock, Jim Haycock, uh, recruited him. And I'll, I'll never forget. It. Jim Haycock, uh, told me, we just got a commitment or we just signed. He should say, I should say, we just signed the best defensive lineman in the country and he wasn't rated that high. But if you go back now and look at all the defensive linemen in that class and what they did in college and in the NFL, Jim Haycock was right. Ryan Pickett was the best de- defensive lineman in the country that year. And hit um, uh, Again, Booker Pickett is a legacy, a, a relative of his. He's a guy that Ohio State has a shot at as well. Now that I've said that, I forget what your question was. Uh,
0: Scott or West? Any updates? Oh, okay, that right.
1: um, I still like where Ohio State stands with both of them. They're making their official visits, um, but Ohio State gets the last shot with West. I think uh, you know, I will be. I would be surprised if they both don't end up at Ohio State. And, I'll let Mark go on that now, too.
2: Yeah, I, you know what? I, I don't have the inside information on that because the last time I had inside, info, it's already changed. <laughs> like a, Anytime you get inside info, it's got like a 48 hour shelf life. But uh, I'm with Bill here. They probably should up at Ohio State. But to Ryan Nichols, there's another corner from Ohio in the class. There might even be someone that blows up at camp. Um, Ohio State's not the place you can wait along forever. Unless you're from Glenville, those kids usually have a pass to wait till the last minute. But, you know, some of these guys better jump on the ship, I think, and it would be my advice.
1: I, I might add to Ryan Nichols is uh, finishing up an official visit to Kentucky uh, today, for that matter. And, um, you know, uh, that's another case of where it's got to be a fit. And Ohio State is evaluating him. He's evaluating Ohio State. And the fit has to be right for both sides.
0: And Mark, last one here. I thought this was an interesting question from Yakov. How do you think your job would differ if you were doing the exact same thing in a state like Georgia?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, that's a that's actually a neat question. I could never do it in California. They have about 450 D1 kids a year. I could never do it alone in Texas. I could never do it alone in Florida but Georgia is the other state that is similar to Ohio with about 120 D one kids here. They may have a few more where one guy like me could do it. So that's the first thing I think of is, could I actually cover a state like scouting Ohio from you know D two up to D one? That's possible. Boy, that's a lot of running around uh, because of my relationships and, you know, being here playing here for my whole life and knowing so many coaches, I think that's the only way it's possible. I, I think a lot of me, a sports gump, right place, right time, just kept doing it. Uh, to start in a new area with no contacts, no relationships, walk into each high school team for the first time again and not know their level of play, uh, which coaches are used car salesmen, which guys are good guys, I, I would struggle. <laughs> uh, and would it be different? No, football's football. Uh, And that football is on the same level as Ohio. I mean, I I don't think evaluating is any different. I could go to a camp anywhere in the world, and you know, over in Italy or Sweden and watch football players work out and say, hey, here are the guys that I would would rock with. But, you know, I I think, boy, starting somewhere new. I don't know if that's the answer he was looking for in that question. But Georgia does stack up similarly to Ohio. So that's why I started there.
0: All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for taking time out of your day to come on the Bucknuts happy hour, talk some recruiting again, not something we do too often, but I think this was a good time to have both of you on. So we could chat with these camps coming up. If you don't already, make sure you follow these guys, social media on Bucknuts. Mark's got his scoutingohio.com website as well. That does a great job, but uh, thanks again, guys. And I will see you both out there tomorrow over at, over at the Woody. All right. Thanks again to both Mark and Bill. Do really appreciate it. It's obviously a busy time of year for both of them. So the fact that they took what we thought was only going to be about 20 minutes, but turned into about 32 minutes uh, to talk some Buckeye recruiting and what's coming up here um, was, was very much appreciated. So we, uh, we, we will, uh, yeah, we, we very much appreciate that. I'll leave it at that. We're going to now turn it over to the team side of things and talk more on my side of, of what I do with Bucknuts, uh, the stuff I'm a bit more familiar with. As you can tell, sometimes when I talk recruiting, I uh, have to double-check some things there. Not my full attention, though this time of year, I do try and get involved as much as I can, as, as Bill said, and help out where I can. Um, as you probably know by now, we got the opportunity to talk to the Ohio State assistant coaches, all I believe all 10 of them, and then... We also talked to Mark Pantoni. This was about a week ago now and a lot of good stuff that came out of that. You can if you if you're maybe on YouTube right now or if you're watching this live or if you're subscribed to our YouTube page, go over to our YouTube page. We've got videos of all of those assistant coaches. It might take you about a day to watch all of them because most of those guys talked for about 30 minutes. but uh, the there was a lot of good stuff from it. I want to focus on a couple things. actually the first one, that I want to touch on something I wrote about that actually came from a completely different source. And I'll get back to those because, and these two things go a little bit hand in hand is Ryan day's comments. Recently, he was on another podcast, the podcast that Chris Holtman and Terrence dials do just started together uh, called more than coach speak. If you haven't listened to Ryan day on that podcast, it's about 30 minutes. I strongly recommend it. I thought there was some really good stuff. From Ryan Day, and he was pretty candid about a lot of things that I think if he's talking to, to me or, or other people in the media, he doesn't probably say some of that stuff. And and nothing, you know, nothing crazy, but he just was a lot more candid as I said, talking to a fellow Ohio State head coach and a former Buckeye player, more so than members of the media. But one thing that I know caught a lot of attention was his comments about the Michigan game last year and just kind of the approach to it. And he, he admitted kind of making a mistake with that game that you, you can't focus on just, just winning that game. You have to focus on individual plays. You have to win every play. Um, and I think if you read deeper into that, and this is something we've talked about on, on the Happy Hour before, if you if you dive a little bit deeper into what he's saying, and this is kind of how I wrote, using some of the quotes he had in there, is that, look, Ryan Day, this is year five, going into year five of him as a head coach. And he has no prior head coaching experience. So he's, he's not Urban Meyer, who had coached at Florida and Utah and Bowling Green and had won two national championships. He's not Jim Trestle, who had done it at Youngstown State and won multiple national championships there. This is his first head coaching job. Um, I mean, as far as I know, he's not even coached his his son in, in peewee football. So there is an expected learning curve that's going to come with a first-time head coach, right? I think if you went back and talked to people who, who were around Urban Meyer when he was first starting at Bowling Green and then talked to people who covered him at Florida or at Ohio State, there's probably a lot of differences there. And he, he learned a lot throughout that time. Ryan Day is doing it now. As I said, going to year five at Ohio State, which may be the most demanding job in college football. And I don't, by any means, mean that he gets a pass for anything that happens um, on the field. But I do think when we discuss Ryan Day, that's something we should keep in mind with with how he's doing it. Um, and when it comes to something like the Michigan game, I think. He learned that you have to treat those type of games differently. Remember, he won in 2019 pretty convincingly, his first year as a head coach. And he'd experienced it in 2017, 2018 as an offensive coordinator. Then 2020, no game. Say what you will about why there was no game, but they didn't play during the COVID year. 2021, they lose in Ann Arbor. It's a bad loss. Keeps you out of the college football playoff and Big Ten championship game. But it was, it was, it was. You know, I think you could look at that game and say, okay, Michigan got us one time. It had been ten years, all that stuff. Um, and I, I know they talked a lot last year about the focus on winning that game against Michigan in Columbus. I think that the understanding of what it takes to actually win that game, though, is different. And I think, and we won't find out until late November this year. And it's going to be tough. Your Ohio State's going up to to Ann Arbor once again. But I think Ryan Day has learned that that's different. Part of the reason I think that, and he alluded to this in in some of the quotes from that podcast, were the difference between Ryan Day, and I've talked about this before, from that Michigan game to the Georgia game and how he handled that. And I've told this story. Ryan Day, we're, we're outside the stadium at the Peach Bowl. They have... This big event for both teams as they walk in, fans can like line this, this area where, as the teams walk in and, and media is out there. And Ryan Day is the first one walking through with the Ohio State group. And he gets kind of to the middle of where the fans are and just starts pumping up the crowd, jumping up and down. It was a different energy from Ryan Day before that Georgia game. And then you, I, you see him again in kind of the bowels of the stadium before the team takes the field and he's loose and he's, you know, he's, it was just a different feel. It wasn't, you don't, you didn't see that side of Ryan day very often. And I think he's realized that you have to have, he as a coach has to have that approach and he has to emphasize winning every play in these, these, not only the Michigan game, because it's a rivalry game, but in these matchup games, as he likes to call them, urban used to call them the same thing you have to approach those games differently than playing Rutgers or playing, you know, Maryland, no disrespect to those teams. Maryland put on a good show against Ohio state last year. You know, that was a close game throughout, but it's just something different when you can't just win because you're better. Right. And I think that it's taken Ryan day some time to figure out how he needs to handle those. And I think each coach is different in that capacity. So look, we're not going to find out for sure at least until week four when Ohio State, you, you hope, we don't need to find out before, till Ohio State goes to Notre Dame, which is as close of a matchup game as you're going to get early in the season. I think Ohio State is a more talented team than Notre Dame, but going to their house, rival or uh, revenge on their mind after last year, that's one of those games I think you're going to have to have that approach to things. Um, and you don't get the the month or so to to prepare like you did for Georgia. Right. Um, So I think that'll be the first one, but the real, the real interesting one will be at the end of the season when they go up to Michigan and how, if Ohio state can, can figure out that approach. And look, I don't necessarily know if that means they win the game. Uh, You're going to Ann Arbor, you're playing what will be another talented Michigan team, but you certainly can't have, the score look like it has the last two years and say what you will about last year's game and kind of the, the mistakes on the big plays. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but you, you have to at, at the very least make that competitive and show that you are back in this rivalry. And I think Ryan day, as, as he continues to learn on the job um, in a tough place to, to be a guy learning, I think that may be a step in the right direction. We'll see. He's saying the right things. He acted the right way for the Georgia game, but that's one game. Uh, I want to shift, and this this relates a little bit to to some of the comments Jim Knowles made. As I mentioned, we went to the we went met with these assistant coaches recently, and the biggest thing I took out of the stuff that Jim Knowles said, and again, you can go watch his entire time with uh, with us on the Bucknuts YouTube page, and and many of the other assistant coaches. Jim Knowles has done things more or less a certain way his entire career as a defensive coordinator. Um, the, The most recent stops were Duke and Oklahoma state. Both were successful. Duke, not a football school. He had them playing some good defense, Oklahoma state, every year they got better. The last year he was there. They were one of the better defenses in the country and in a conference where there is a lot of good offense, the way he's done it at these schools He tried to bring that to Ohio State. And if you know, if you follow recruiting, if you watch these games, I think you can pretty quickly tell that there's a different level between Ohio State and Oklahoma State and Duke. That, and this is no disrespect to them, but Ohio State, you're recruiting four and five star kids on the defensive side of the ball. Even when Ohio State isn't recruiting defense as well as they have in the past, which I think you can make a fair argument about these last few recruiting cycles before recently they are still recruiting at a different level than those programs. You have better talent on the defensive side of the ball. And so Jim Knowles came here with the ideas of, you know, the, the Jack position, I think is the the most obvious example. That is this hybrid position that he came up with early on in his coaching career, kind of finding a guy that doesn't necessarily fit one position, but has the athleticism and the, the football IQ to be able, if you teach him this kind, this role of, you know, understanding the defense and playing different positions, then he can do something a little different and and you can use him to do different things. And in theory, that sounds great. And I think if you can get it right, then, then that's awesome. And what he talked about was at Oklahoma state, this was pretty much always a part of their defense, but at Ohio state, you have so many good players, that can play very specific positions and, and can do some different things. There's not really room for the Jack. And I think that's what Ohio State saw last year, especially as you tried to kind of fit Jack Sawyer into that role that wasn't really perfect for him. You heard this spring, Jim noll said, they're not going to focus on the Jack. He's not done with it. They're still going to use it. But what he's admitted, both kind of in the spring and recently, were, is that that... That doesn't have to be part of the defense at Ohio State. There's enough talent at Ohio State that you don't need. I don't want to call it a gimmick position, but you, you, can, you can run your base defense with defensive ends, with linebackers, with safeties, all that. You have enough talent to, to if you execute correctly, then, then you should be successful more often than not. Um, another thing that, that led me to, to kind of see this shift in Jim Knowles is when he got here last year, heading into the season, early in the season, I forget exactly when he was talking about it, but he mentioned how he doesn't like to rotate in the the back seven on defense. Um, You know, he likes those guys to be on the field more often than not, the starters. And then just the other day, he talked about, okay, well, we need to find time for CJ Hicks. Well, he's not going to start most likely because of late or because of, I'm sorry, because of Tommy Eichenberg and steel chambers. So we got to find a role for him on the field. We got to find a way to get Sonny Styles out there while we still have Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor and Kai Stokes and Cameron Martinez and Jihad Carter. Okay, so so how do you do that? Well, he's more willing to to rotate guys this year and in within the linebackers, the cornerbacks. Cornerbacks were forced to rotate last year just because of the injuries and then the safeties. And again, this comes down to understanding what you have at Ohio State. This this isn't Oklahoma State where your starters are clearly you know ahead of the the guys behind them because you can't recruit at the same level. As as Bill and Mark both touched on, yeah, maybe CG Hicks and Sonny Styles weren't ready to play last year as true freshmen, but those are both five-star guys who are going to grow quickly. And, and you've got a lot of that talent at Ohio State. So what's the best way to maximize that talent? Well, you don't just stick with seven guys in your back seven. You get the best guys on the field for the matchups, both game to game, play to play, series, things like that, and you you use that rotation. And look, we've seen rotation in positions in the past. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't starters who will be out there when you need them the most, but... You you can do more at a place like Ohio State. You don't have to be as rigidly attached to some of these philosophies that Jim Knowles has had in the past, with the jack, with not rotating in in the secondary and and with your linebackers. And I think this is a very positive change in his approach for Ohio State. I had someone when I wrote about this, kind of come back at me on on social media that you know why couldn't he have seen this before I mean, a, a real defensive coordinator would have seen this right away. Look, I can't tell you why Jim Knowles didn't recognize some of this stuff. I think having a year, first of all, I think he knows that that stuff can work for him and how he does it. I think having a year to learn these players and understand Ohio state taught him something. Is it a year too late? Maybe you had a really talented offense last year. And if the defense could have made a few more stops you know, you you don't make those mistakes, which a lot of them were player mistakes against Michigan. You know, maybe you're in the Big Ten championship game. Maybe you don't have to play Georgia in the first round. Maybe you're in the national championship game. If you don't make the mistakes against Georgia, maybe you win that and win the national. So So maybe you did miss an opportunity to win a Big Ten title, beat Michigan, a national championship last year because of him not recognizing. But if I'm a Buckeye fan, I would rather him figure that out sooner rather than later and if it wasn't the soonest then at least it's going into year two and what this could be a real positive is if the Buckeyes do need to lean on this defense a bit more this year say and I don't think this will be the case but say the quarterback play is underwhelming say that that neither Kyle McCord or Devin Brown turn into the type of stars that you need and and they just have to kind of manage things again not what I think will happen this is a Ryan Day offense with talented quarterbacks and too much talent around them but just in this instance that's a good time for Jim Knowles to know what the heck he needs to do in order to 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 win ball games right so again like with the Ryan Day situation we'll find out on the field but I think some of the stuff that I heard last year and I thought the jack was a good idea but it quickly wasn't working and they did cut back on it but the non the the in a the lack of willingness to rotate on defense, I thought was you know a little a little strange when I heard that last fall. And so I'm glad that the the approach has shifted. Um, because I know that defensive coordinators, cornerbacks, coaches, whoever in the past have done that successfully at Ohio State. And I don't know why Jim Knowles wouldn't as well. So again. We shall see what this all looks like when, when they take the field. But I think, you know, right now we, we can only project, right? And I think hearing Jim Knowles say some of these things was a positive. Um, Now that's not to say there won't be the Jack position. One of the ways they're going to talk, discuss getting CJ Hicks on the field is through that Jack position. I think there's still some value there. Mitchell Melton guy who got hurt last year in the spring game uh, is a guy they really like at that position. Both those guys are going to start to learn that through through kind of film and teaching this summer before executing it a little bit more in fall camp. But I think it's good that Jim Knowles isn't just going to force that again this year. If it's there and it works and it helps the defense, great. If it's not, pull it out. Those guys can play other positions. They can do other things. And, and I think that's a positive. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, and, and then we'll get out of here. I asked running backs coach Tony Alford about Evan Pryor, who's kind of become a a bit of a forgotten guy. Uh, Obviously had the injury in fall camp last year that ruled him out for the season and then didn't practice in the spring. So he just wasn't talked about a lot. And I wanted to ask Tony Alford about him. And he said he's doing well, getting back. I think it'll be very interesting for me, assuming he is healthy and ready to go, in a running back room that may be as loaded as any in the country, how you you kind of fit Evan Pryor in there. Because we've not really seen Evan Pryor do much. He played four games, I believe, his freshman year. Came in with Travion Henderson um, and then didn't play at all last year. Had some really good practices. They were really excited about him in fall camp heading into last season. And then we just didn't get to see it. He's a guy who can come out of the backfield. I will be surprised. I, I, I would not be surprised, I guess, is what I should say, if they use him in kind of that role that we saw Xavier Johnson in a little bit last year. Not Xavier Johnson, the receiver, but Xavier Johnson against Georgia coming out of the backfield to score the touchdown. Um, in I think it I think it was the third quarter. I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and look. But the Xavier Johnson touchdown, if you go back and watch it, he lines up in the backfield next to CJ Stroud, comes out is kind of spins his man and, you know, is wide open for the the touchdown pass. I think Evan Pryor can do some of that. Now that's not to say some of these other running backs can't. Uh, I'm just very interested. And Tony Alford seemed to agree that that that's one way, at least to use Evan Pryor. Now, I think if you're going to be on the field as a running back, you have to be able to do other things. You have to be able to run through the tack, run between the tackles, run over guys, stuff like that. Evan Pryor will have to show he can do that as well. Um, But he's a guy that, where does he fit? And I think the running back room in general is very interesting in, in terms of how Ohio State's gonna handle this, Tony Alfred in particular. But when you reinsert a guy who's been out for a season and has not really played, hasn't carved out a role for himself, you know, where do you go with, with with a guy like that? And this is a guy who's entering his third year, a pretty highly recruited kid. And, you know, I not to say that the clock is ticking at all in terms of him wanting to get to the NFL because he hasn't been able to to produce at that level, but a guy who will certainly want to, to find a role to be on the field. And that'll be up to him too. It's, it's not just on Tony Alfred to just throw him out there. He's got to earn that right and show that something he can do is, is valuable enough to be on the field. So I will. Uh, I, I think that's a guy that as we get into fall camp and we're able to watch some stuff, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on in terms of what his role might be next year. And really that running back room in general, I think I'm going to end up writing quite a bit about that during fall camp. Um, All right. Well, after a couple weeks off, we uh, we have another Bucknuts Happy Hour in the books. Uh, I apologize for the last few weeks; just had some crazy stuff going on and just wasn't able to to do it. But the plan is to keep this rolling throughout the summer, mostly on a week by week basis. Uh, Usually later in the week, we did this one, record this one on Wednesday because of those camps earlier. But my plan is to do that. I'm hoping to have some. Interesting guests on. I've I've mentioned to some some guys, some former Buckeye players, some other people that I've talked to about. Hey, I'd like to have you on at some point, and and guys seem receptive to that. So could be some some fun shows coming up. Um, we we have some other interesting, exciting, I guess I should say, potential guest coming on on the Bucknuts Morning Five. If you missed it, thanks to our partnership with the foundation, we were able to get. uh a two on one, I guess I should say, with, with Dave Biddle and Dan Rubin, talking to Brian Hartline. If you missed that one, go back and listen to it. I'd like to, I'd like to try and use that to, for the Bucknets happy hour, too. We'll see what we can work out, but I do hope to have that. And I also want to talk to some of our guys throughout the summer, some of our team writers, sort of get their backstory. I know a lot of people read their stuff. You know, who are these guys? I know them, but I don't know how many of you have, have gotten to know some of these guys. I think it might be interesting to have Dave Biddle on a show where we just talk about you know, what he, how he became a writer covering Ohio State and, and more about his background and things like that, and, and the other guys on the staff as well. So just some ideas that I have. We'll, we'll try and roll it throughout the summer. We still got plenty to talk about. We'll, we'll certainly talk Buckeye football. We'll do some more recruiting stuff. I like having Bill and Mark on, and, and I think you guys did too based on the re- reactions here Anyway, thank you again for joining the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I forgot to mention off the top. I was just drinking water today. I've got some stuff I need to do, and not that one beer would would affect that after the show. But um, I figured. Plus, we had we had Mark and Bill on, and I've never never seen either of them uh, with a beer in their hands. So not to say that they don't, but uh, you know, we went with water today. Anyway, thank you all for the for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate everyone who watched this live. Anyone who listens to the podcast after the fact, please like, subscribe. We're trying to get uh, more likes, subscriptions, whatever you want to call it on the YouTube page as we continue to post good stuff on there. We're gonna to have tons of stuff on there here if you're a recruiting person from interviews that we do over these next few weeks. So like or subscribe to that and and hit the bell so you know when videos go up there. And this is a great time to join Bucknuts and become a 247 Sports subscriber if you're not already with all the recruiting stuff that's going to go on this month and, and throughout the summer. Um, there's promotion going on through 247 Sports right now. We're going to have our own promotion coming up here. So if this is something you're interested in, if, if the recruiting talk piques your interest today, that we those guys, I don't do a ton of it, do a great job. We're also starting to do some more uh, other VIP stuff that you may be interested in. So this is a great time to join up on Bucknets. Anyway, I've taken too much of your time. Thanks again, guys. Thanks to Mark Porter and Bill Kerlick for joining me on the Recruiting Talk. And I will talk to you guys again next week. We'll cheers with the water today to end it, all right? Cheers.